Presented here is a free teaser for this month's edition of the Top Rope Nation Classics Patreon bonus podcast. Every single month, we release a deep dive on a classic wrestling event as voted on by our supporters on Patreon. Presented here is a 15-minute preview of that podcast, which released Thursday on Patreon. It's a true historical deep dive. The only place to hear these shows in full? Join the Patreon page for just $5 per month. The link is right here in the podcast description. Patreon is the best way to support the show. We are confident you will enjoy the content we're offering, all the bonus content over on Patreon. For just $5 per month, not only do you gain access to the monthly Top Rope Nation Classics bonus podcast on Patreon, you also receive access to a weekly bonus podcast, Top Rope Nation Extra. The only way to hear Top Rope Nation Classics every month and Top Rope Nation Extra every single week is by supporting us on Patreon. That's five bonus shows per month for $5 plus other benefits like access to our show notes every week, voting on which events we cover for classics, and more. So click that link in the episode description and read all about it over on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash topropenation and enjoy this special free preview of this month's retro show. Welcome back to another edition of Top Rope Nation Classics here on Patreon. Kind of a landmark show. I just looked this up. This is the 20th edition of Top Rope Nation Classics over on our Patreon page. So thanks to everyone for supporting the show over there, making these bonus podcasts possible. If you haven't heard the other 19 editions, dip into the archives. Patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. I can find them all tagged with the Top Rope Nation Classics uh, hashtag on the page but uh, this is going to be an interesting one it, it won the vote this month by a single vote for our july top rope nation classics and that is wwf invasion 2001 it beat out in your house canadian stampede uh, which came in number two thank you dominion voting systems <laughs> no but uh in all seriousness you know this is obviously an inferior show to canadian yes. stampede But the three of us were talking last week, and I think we were looking forward to doing this more because we've talked a lot about 97, and I think the narrative on Canadian Stampede is written. This just in, it's a really good show. Mm -hmm. Uh, This, there's just so much more to talk about, and uh, there's a very kind of special component uh, that we'll get into a moment. There's a a very good-looking man with flowing golden locks that was in the crowd for the show <laughs> my hair wasn't that flowing back then though. oh no i kind of like had it like real short it was bad moved by me i, don't know what I was thinking oh, yeah kyle was there hometown cleveland ohio so he'll be, he'll be able to give us the live perspective similar to what i did when we did wrestlemania 22 uh back in april so yeah yeah we've talked a lot about canadian stampede in fact one of the first editions of top rope nation classics we did was SummerSlam 97 like kyle said we talked a lot about 1997 so this is a little more fresh for us thank you to everyone who voted all of our patrons are eligible to vote so we'll have the august poll up real soon for next month quick question Um, ryan is this the first time we've ever done 2001 i believe so we've done 2002 don't think we've done anything from 2001 no that's what i thought too 
Yeah, pretty positive. So yeah, dipping into a new era as well. So I mean, with that said, what was the state of your wrestling fandom as we often talk about at the top of these shows? I'll throw it to Justin first. Uh, Justin Joint, 2001, big time WWF fan, I think during that era, weren't you? Oh yeah, definitely. This yeah, right in the midst of it. Um, I had well, my cousin had a buddy who got every pay per view, so we'd always go over there and uh, catch the pay per views. And then I would just like to add, uh, thank God there was only one WWF invasion, so that when I have to look for it on the Peacock, I don't have to figure out what freaking season it is. <laughs> yes, season one, episode one, invasion. <laughs> yes, uh, Justin, we were also. Two months away from meeting as the show aired. Uh, we really? met in September of 2001. Okay. All <laughs> yes, right. we did. Yep. That's when I started working at the old store that we worked at together. So, yes, indeed. Kyle, 2001, where, where were you at in your life? Uh, summer between junior and senior year of college. I was about a month away from turning 21. So, big things happening in my life at that point. And you know, like Justin, and I'm sure like you, Ryan, I was a big wrestling fan, although, as we'll get into over the next hour plus, my patience had begun to wear thin with the World Wrestling Federation a little bit sooner than most fans, I think, who are still with the product. You know, going back to the fall of 2000, things had irked me. I did not know this at the time, but it kind of coincided with Stephanie taking over creative. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris Kresge had stepped down, I think, in the summer of 2000. And, you know, that that first six to eight months of 2000 was just so awesome. It, as good a run as the company's ever had. But cracks started showing in the fall. And um, I've talked about it before. I'm, like, the only human being alive that doesn't think WrestleMania 17 is the best WrestleMania of all time. I'll get a chance to talk about that in this show. And in the spring, uh, after WrestleMania... Whoa, uh, the WWE, I was kind of scratching my head a lot. But as you said, Ryan, I went to this show. I was quite excited. And boy, was I let down at the end. <laughs> I understand why, as yeah. we will discuss. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, too, I just want to get this out of the way real brief. Cleveland, uh, as a market, I've mentioned this, I think, on the show, certainly in the Facebook group. We were a really lucky city when it came to live events in 98, the two raws we got were Tyson joining DX on the road to WrestleMania and Steve Austin beating Kane the night after King of the ring to win the title back. Uh, so that was huge. It was another I, I, raw 99. I was, I should have just looked at Graham's site, but um, I didn't, I think it was the night after fully loaded because I remember chanting. I wasn't, but the crowd was Nana, Nana, Hey, Hey, goodbye to Vince because he had lost some stip where he had to go off TV. We had the No Mercy pay-per-view with Hardy's and Edge of Christian. Mm -hmm. There was a Raw in 2000. And, of course, fast forward to 2001, the night Shane McMahon uh, was at Nitro, the final Nitro, the simulcast, and announced that he was the new owner of WCW. Where was Raw that night? In Cleveland. Yeah. That was a go-home to X, uh, X7, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Mm -hmm. And I was not at that show because I was in college at the time. I was, you know, it was in the middle of school week, so I did not attend that one. But I was at this pay-per-view, packed house. Cleveland was a great wrestling town like, you know, so many other towns were from 98 to 2001. But 
Wasn't a great wrestling town for much longer after this, and boy, did they kill the town at the end of the show. You know, that actually explains a lot that uh, all the luck Cleveland had with its wrestling events because uh, they definitely didn't have any with their sports teams. So WWF just must sapped all that luck away. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, this time there was no Browns. Cavs were a dog shit franchise. The, the, those years pre-LeBron coming the first time, woo! They reaped. The Indians were always good in the 90s, but they were kind of tapering off, I think, around 2001, 2002. Someone may correct me. I, I can't remember. I know they didn't win the World Series, as we'll talk about in a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So how how difficult of a ticket was this show? How'd you get your tickets? Where were you sitting? Okay. So Vince has been meeting with all the Team WWE guys, and he meets with Austin. And Austin just cuts his fire promo. An old school Steve Austin promo. And the crowd is so into it. And I'm watching this. And I'm like, is it just like WrestleMania 17? Is nobody running around backstage saying, turning this guy is going to be really dumb? Yeah. Because the reaction from the live audience to the promo and the reaction he gets when he's introduced. I mean, what? is the thought process behind, yeah, this guy should be a heel. So what I want to know is, Who's pushing this, pushing for this? Because we know at WrestleMania 17 that Austin wanted to turn heel. He's the one who wanted to turn heel. But then I'm pretty sure Bruce mentioned in the podcast about this show that this, or, you know, the previous Raw and this match, the reaction he got kind of made, you know, ignited a spark in him. uh, That that's what he said. So what was it, Austin? Try wanting to try and keep this heel run going, or was it uh, Vince McMahon being stubborn? I don't know, and I don't know if it's a deal where it's like, hey, we've got you know this angle that we want to do with WCW, this invasion angle, and we need a lead heel because we don't think the heel side's strong enough, and we don't want to admit the Austin heel turn was wrong at WrestleMania. So we're just going to merge the two things. That sounds right. Because the the plan was, as Ryan mentioned at the top of the show, Steve Austin was going to feud with Triple H in the summer of 2001. And that got thrown out the window when Triple H tore his quad. So I think it was just like, well, the original plan was Austin as a heel. All the original ideas we had for that are now gone. We're doing this invasion thing. We need it to balance out the face heel side, so Austin's going to be a heel. That's what they were thinking. They were they were looking for yeah the main event programs moving forward because he was going to be working against Angle, he was going to be working against Rock, and he was going to be working against Triple H when he returned. All faces, and you know, and you can totally see their perspective coming into this match and looking at the alliance needing some star power, but to, in order to make this thing continue. All you needed to do was pick anybody other than Steve Austin to keep it going. 
Um, I don't know if we've ever actually brought it up on the podcast. I know we've uh, talked about, about it behind the scenes, but Kyle, could you bring up your fantasy booking uh, coming out of King of the Ring? What yeah. you thought they should have yeah. done? So if they're going to turn someone, it should have been Jericho, I yes. think, because based on, first of all, Jericho was an actual WCW guy. I know Austin was a WCW guy once upon a time, but come on. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't think anyone considered Steve Austin a WCW guy anymore in 2001. Nor was that ever acknowledged. I don't he went think to ECW did. solely to run down WCW. Yes. <laughs> like, and, I mean, Jer- and Jericho had his problems too, but he was still kind of fresh yeah. off the boat, as they say, um, in some circles. So I, I would have done it with him. So if I, I, we were talking about this maybe off air, maybe we've mentioned on the show or not. So Austin and Jericho and Benoit wound up the King of the Ring main event the month before what i would have done this is just an idea is take because benoit was hurt after that match he probably mm-hmm. didn't even need to work the match he, he was out for a year have him mysteriously taken out by somebody okay and it just comes down to austin and jericho in the main and do a double turn where booker t comes out and helps jericho win the title and jericho is wcw you don't have to do that again the numbers show that people were just fine with the idea of what they had coming into the show. The key is you just can't double down with this Austin heel turn. As bad as it was at WrestleMania 17, him turning heel. I'll concede, I don't know what else you do at that show, right? Like, that's the big what if. It's like, okay, because like, you know, Bruce will say, well, why do you, what do you do at WrestleMania 17 if you don't turn Steve Austin heel? Maybe we could talk. I mean, we could talk about that now. I was thinking about it. What if that's how you start the invasion? Austin just wins as a babyface, and all those WCW guys in the box come down and just storm the ring and beat the crap out of both of them. And that's how WrestleMania ends. I think. I think after invasion, with a heel Austin, you gotta let him grow that Hulk Hogan hair and just go <laughs> stunning Steve Austin. <laughs> I, I just, well, what do you think? I mean, is that like? I mean, I don't know. I mean, you. It's water under the bridge. As bad as that heel turn was at WrestleMania, you're okay. I think this number shows you're okay and you recovered just by turning a baby face. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, you've got to swallow your pride and say, we fucked up and we, we're going to go back to the old Stone Cold mm-hmm. and he's just going to feud with the Booker T's and the DDP's and we'll get the bigger names in and he, like Goldberg eventually. I can talk about that a little bit. And you know, he, that's who he's going to feud with. Because that's what the crowd wanted. The reaction to Steve Austin on this show, nobody wanted to boo this man. And if you look at the pay-per-view numbers, even when he was out and would make appearances at the pay-per-views in 2000, there is no anecdotal evidence that supports the crowd was getting bored with this man. Look at two, you, you, you want to talk about the power of Steve Austin. There's two numbers you need to look at from 2000. Backlash and Unforgiven. He did not wrestle on either of those shows. He made appearances on those shows. Okay. Backlash, he uh, interfered to help Rock beat Triple H and Unforgiven, they were doing the Who Hit Me storyline. And he was going to like confront Shane McMahon or something like that. Let me tell you about the power of Steve Austin, even in a non wrestling capacity in the year 2000. Backlash 2000 had 675,000 buys. The previous year's Backlash, which had Austin Rock, a red hot match. I know Ryan, you've talked about that with uh, Zach over at the torch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That show did 398,000 buys. The following year's backlash did 375,000 buys. So you're looking at a 300,000 
by increase just because people were that jacked to see Steve Austin back on WWE television after a four-month absence. After another four-month absence, he comes back at Unforgiven, okay, for that angle of shame. That show does 605,000 buys. The previous year's Unforgiven did 330. The next year's Unforgiven, which is during the middle of this invasion angle, did 350. <laughs> so, like... I know 2000 is a red hot year, but those were the two hottest B shows that they had. And it was just because Steve Austin showed up. Yeah. There was no evidence. It's quite to the contrary. People wanted to cheer this man still until the end of time. He never should have turned heel ever. He was Bruno. He was a folk hero. It was not Hogan in 96 when that audience in WCW didn't want to, didn't like that he was there in the first place. Mm-hmm. It was so different, and they wanted to recreate that NWO magic, and it was stupidity. Plus, Hogan had been faced for 12 years versus Austin, like, three. Yes. When he turned, you know, like, it yes. was definitely not out of steam at all.